the reason we're doing it is because we're focused on this problem of how do you maintain your humanity in a world that has changed so dramatically? And in a way that feels sort of cliche to talk about too much screen time, too many obligations, decision fatigue, uh, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I try to remind myself that, you know, the iPhone was invented in like 2007 and most of us didn't have one until 2010 or 2011. Um, and so while we spend a lot of time talking about those things as a society, we haven't yet figured out how to adjust our lives. And the iPhone, of course, being only one lens into how the world has changed and I guess the information age. So the reason we exist is to try to help with that and help us adjust and help us cope and you know harness the good of all the ways the world has changed, but counter some of the bad. Welcome to the Brave New Real Estate Podcast podcast for ambitious leaders ready to get to work, do the work, and create a better built world reality. I'm James Sanderson, founder of Studio Sanderson, communication consultancy that works with leaders in real estate, design, and the built environment. In the era of our hyper-connected world, a new luxury has emerged, unplugged, unstructured free time. Getaway places tiny cabin rentals nestled in nature, offering escapes from almost all major US metropolitan cities. Getaway has grown to include more than 15 outposts across the country since its inception in 2015. In this episode, we talk to John Staff, the founder and CEO of Getaway, about the evolution of the tiny home lifestyle, designing physical space for wellness, and how COVID propelled his vision into the spotlight, and what the future might hold for the firm. Let's get to it. Okay, John, great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So, John, maybe we can just start a little bit um, by you describing uh, what Getaway is and and how it came to be. You bet. I mean, ultimately, we think about Getaway as a free time company. Uh, The way we deliver that free time is in tiny cabins outside of major cities uh, where you go and ideally do nothing. So you get to these cabins that we design. There's no Wi-Fi. You lock up your cell phone. Um, And what we hope is that you have some meaningful, quiet, reflective time with yourself, with your partner, maybe with your kid. Um, and that's it. And hopefully go back to your, your day-to-day life, your, your city, your job, your technology, whatever the things you're disconnecting from, a little bit more refreshed and rejuvenated. And can you, do, can you describe a little bit about where exactly the kind of places that, that your getaways are? They're always two hours outside of major cities. And other than that, they're in nature. Uh, we make sure it's quiet, it's serene, it's beautiful. But other than that, uh, there aren't many requirements. So we're different than, I guess, you know, the, we violate the main rule of real estate of location, location, location. Right. Um, the, 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 the drive time is important and the vibe of the land is important, but it is not important to us that we be near some particular city or natural feature or in the direction you typically drive for your time off. Um, because when you get to getaway, you really don't leave. Um, so everybody who's who's there is usually hanging out in the cabin or just outside the cabin at their fire pit. Uh, you're not; it's not a launching pad to go explore the places. So that gives us a lot of flexibility in picking locations. So back when getaway was founded in 2015, remote sanctuary away from cities was definitely something that people wanted. Obviously, now it's become very high in demand. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the pandemic changed or has accelerated Getaway's growth? Well, it's been wild, of course. Um, And without dwelling on all the pain that we all know, I just would acknowledge it. And 
first the first couple of months for us were, were really up and down as as we like everybody tried to figure out what this meant and what to do and how to keep folks safe. But you're right that you know very early in the pandemic for us around I guess May of 2020, it became clear that a lot of people wanted to go to a tiny cabin in the woods, you know, where there is no lobby, there is no bar and restaurant, there are no group hangout spaces, and so. Our business went from about 90% occupancy historically to literally 99.5% occupancy. It's it's and it's still hovering, you know, just around there, 97, 98. Um, so it's it's been incredible and you know, and 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 for me, especially rewarding because I think a lot of people who hadn't yet found us or hadn't yet found, you know, something like this are figuring out that it is really important uh, to take time and space for yourself to really disconnect and that, you know, we should not fill up all of our time with work or even with vacations where we, you know, we run from one thing to the next thing. Um, So that will be a lasting trend. And who were the, I mean, I suppose pre-pandemic, who who were the kinds of people who were coming and visiting getaways and how has that kind of expanded to different kinds of people or more of the same today? Yeah, it's, you know, it's who you might expect it to be at the peak of the bell curve. It's, you know, this this is too reductive for my taste, but, you sure. know, kind of millennial and you might say hipster types uh, in the beginning. And, you know, all the while, you know, the ends of the bell curves being everybody. I mean, we, um, I, I remember getting a letter, you know, from some folks who wrote to us and they said, we read about you in AAA magazine. And we don't use any technology, but we want to learn more. Please, could you send us some information? And this this couple who I took to be quite elderly had included some postage stamps for us to send them more information. The same week, we got uh, a similar letter, this time in email form, uh, or maybe it was an Instagram message from some 17-year-olds that said, we know you have to be 18 to book a getaway, but um, but we, we, we'll really be on our best behavior if you'll let us come. Uh, so that's always been there, but but that that bell curve expanded out towards the ends in the pandemic, where we're seeing, you know, we're seeing more, more families, we're seeing you know more folks who um, might not consider a, a trip like this uh, take one. But I think it's not just the pandemic. I, I think there really is, a, you know, an epidemic of free time as you know work invades every moment of every day for so many of us, uh, whose jobs follow us, us around in our pockets and, uh, and really for everybody else, we're just kind of like the day-to-day be at the news cycle or your job or, or the stresses of your, your home life right. really seem to be overwhelming. And so that, you know, the pandemic, of course, there's the health and safety aspects of wanting to have space to yourself. But I also think it's brought so many of those things to the forefronts of our minds and made us ask, how do we want to live differently now and which parts of this, you know, recognizing all the hard parts, which parts of it were good and, and, and we want to hang on to. Your book, How to Get Away, discusses the intersection of mindfulness and technology, an ever-relevant topic today. Can you talk about how Getaway as a company confronts this topic and how that drives your real estate ventures and offerings? I hope so. I, you know, we love the thing we're providing, uh, which is a real benefit. I've been, you know, like many of us have been at companies and organizations where I'm working on something I don't care about. So I'm very grateful to work on something that I think matters and is great. And if this is the only thing we ever do, I'll be very satisfied. But, you know, the, the reason we're doing it is because we're focused on this problem of how do you maintain your humanity in a world that has changed so dramatically? 
And in a way that feels sort of cliche to talk about too much screen time, too many obligations, decision fatigue, uh, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I try to remind myself that, you know, the iPhone was invented in like 2007 and most of us didn't have one until 2010 or 2011. Um, and so while we spend a lot of time talking about those things as a society, we haven't yet figured out how to adjust our lives. And the iPhone, of course, being only one lens into how the world has changed and I guess the information age. So the reason we exist is to try to help with that and help us adjust and help us cope and you know harness the good of all the ways the world has changed, but counter some of the bad. And so cabins in the woods where you're disconnected and insulated from all that are, are one way, but um, I hope we'll be able to contribute in in other ways. And those things, as you suggest, may be real estate related and and may not be real estate related. Right. So that could be products and services. For now, it's just trying to be, you know, in addition to our product out there in the world, you know, espousing these values, which which we which we hold sincerely and and living them and and trying to promote them, you know, through the book and and through everything else we do. Yeah, and I suppose one of the one of the things that I picked up on is that you guys, you, or you, you described yourself as more of a, a wellness company than, than pure hospitality. Can you, um, you've obviously talked a little bit about what the product is, what the experience is. Can you talk a little bit about how you design your, your cabins for that, um, other than it being minimal and, and taking as many way th- things as possible? Are there any other kind of uh, approaches to how you help people uh, through the physical space, let go, detox, if you, if you like. Yeah, I mean, we we refer to it as everything you need and nothing you don't. So the nothing you don't part is the no Wi-Fi, lock up your cell phone, there's no television. Um, it gets weirder. So for example, uh, for a long time, there was no mirror. Now there is a mirror, but it's okay. hidden behind a cabinet door. Um, and, and the idea being that so much of our life is about, you know, how does my hair look? How does my makeup look? How does my outfit look? How do other people perceive me? And we, we won't get away to be a place where you're free from all sorts of pressures, including those. We, uh, you know, finally admitted that those of us who wear contacts need a mirror. So therefore the mirror returned. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of nothing you don't sort of things, but everything you need, uh, the other side of the coin is also important, you know, so we talk about, it's really important where the light switch is because we don't want to rob you of 30 seconds of this, you know, very rare time to actually, you know, reflect and recharge uh, looking for the light switch or looking for the matches to start the campfire or whatever it is. So we're really obsessive over kind of every physical detail. But the other thing that I think, you know, that, that might be even more powerful than the physical design things is just the invitation and the guardrails and the boundaries we put around the experience. So, you know, it, this the physical product we sell could very easily be marketed as you know a hotel in the woods upstate yeah. wherever it is with which you can do whatever you want like mo- most hotel rooms uh you know you can spend the whole day out exploring the region and then just crash there you can you know have all your buddies over you can come there after your family reunion whereas getaway we've been very clear from the beginning about um, what we are, but but more so what we're not, which is, you know, not really a great place to reunite with your fraternity or, you know, sorority friends um, or to crash after a day somewhere else. It's really a special time and space for you to just be there present with yourself. And, you know, that is delivered mostly through what our website says and what the email says and how our, our, our what we call our community team interacts with you. Um, and it's more powerful than I thought it would. It, it felt to me when I started the company, like just words and who will follow along, but, right. but people really do. Interesting. And 
What's your kind of evaluation criteria for choosing the places? I mean, obviously you say two hours outside in nature. I mean, is there, is there anything else that um, the ideal getaway has? Well, it's, you know, two hours away. It's, you know, typically at least 40 acres all the way up to, you know, our, our one of our newer locations outside of Nashville is about 430 acres. I'd say the typical is about 80 quiet, serene, beautiful. So part of my job uh, to this day is still go to the properties to check them out in particular for noise. Um, maybe I, maybe I have the most critical ear in the company. So, you know, it's remarkable how many pieces of rural land are actually, in my view, you know, really significantly impacted by highway noise, including from highways you can't see. So we really focus on that sense of serenity and then, of course, we've got to you know be able to legally do what we need to do with the property, which 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 factors into it as well. And you say um, before when you're saying it that this is the, the the origin of this is really about isolation, and and it's not, I suppose, you say the the place to go with lots of friends. Is is there a is there an ideal number? Is it is it like two, or what's the the, the best way to do that, or is it just by yourself? Yeah, it's um, by yourself uh, with your loved ones or with okay. your loved ones. So that, you know, your partner and your kids. So, you know, that, that could extend to very close friends. It's, you know, candidly, it's kind of a tricky question for us because we get lots of requests for group getaways. Um, and many of those groups uh, would be wonderful getaway guests and sort of do the getaway thing, uh, as it were. Um, but others of those may not. Uh, you know, and we don't want to be a place where, you know, we're hosting parties in the woods. We want to be a place where people are, you know, reconnecting with, with the people and things that matter to them most. Um, and so it's sort of always an ongoing conversation in our company. Um, but it's not, you know, like, like I said before, it's not a place to go and meet everybody else who's there. We think, you know, just like we think technology is great and the city's great and hopefully you love your job, meeting other, you know, meeting new people is great, but not all the time. And so, uh, we aim to be a place where it really is, you know, focused on you and and those you care most about. And I suppose that was also your intention in the beginning, right, of building a standalone brand and destination around this rather than, you know, putting the cabins on Airbnb, et cetera. You know, it, it's not that complicated, but it's a little bit different than the norm, especially, you know, five, six years ago when, when I started the company. Uh, and so communicating it, in my view, really required that we have a direct relationship with all of our customers and potential customers. And therefore, we only sell getaway nights through our website, you know, a little bit to, to avoid giving all our money to Expedia or whomever, yeah, of course. But, but mostly because we want to have that relationship and really, you know, to some extent, hold people's hands from afar through this is what it's for. This is what you're meant to get out of it. This is This is the right way to go about it. You know, and and by the way, we're here for you the whole time to support you. And, you know, to that end, one of the interesting uh, pieces of feedback we get all the time is, you know, I never met anyone from your team because, you know, like there's no check-in desk and and all that. Um, But we have a very, you know, we have a wonderful uh, community team that that takes care of our guests. And we have great outpost teams that, you know, should you want or need something, we're right there for you. And it's been a good business lesson for me about expectation setting, and, you know, the easiest way to beat expectations is to not promise much uh, and then make sure that every time somebody does need something, you're there for them. Under promise, over deliver, right? That's right. And um, it's, it's interesting you point out that thing about, you know, we, we don't want anything to do with technology. But of course, there is a lot of technology today that is working in the background, the APIs and the uh, the things that are making a, a seamless experience. Is there, is there is there anything else in the future that you'd 
you'd like to see that enable? It's a good question. Um, and another one, that, another tricky one that we think about a lot. I mean, I think the things we're trying to avoid are, you know, the doom scrolling on Twitter, yeah. the vanity scrolling on Instagram, the obsessive checking of the news, uh, your boss reaching you during this special time when you're meant to be off uh, with some, you know, some work requests. So, you know, it's nuanced, the technology that we're trying to protect you from in this time versus, you know, there are lock, you know, we have automated lock software and hardware that lets you into your cabins. And we have technology that lets us keep tabs on, you know, on our fleet and make sure everything's in good working order before you get there. So it's not an across the board, um, you know, aversion to technology. It's it's really trying to free our guests yeah. from from the downsides of it. So, you know, over time, like, I don't know. I don't know what you'll see. It's not a focus, I guess I would say, in, in terms of adding technology to the to experience, but where and when it can allow us to operate these, you know, getaway outposts better for our guests, um, we'll at least consider it. But if it's, you know, adding technology for its own sake to the guest experience, I, I think we would avoid that. And aside from the cabins themselves, do you guys... Um Again, when you're when you're first getting, do, do you do any landscaping? Do you work within the the kind of local area? Do you sort of curate any paths or hike hiking trails, etc.? Or is that all part of the? We work very hard to, uh, uh, yeah, we work very hard to spread the cabins out. So when you get there, you know, each of our locations has you know forty forty five of these cabins, and we work hard to spread them out so that when you get to yours, you have your own view out your big getaway window into nature. Your you know fire pit doesn't look directly at anybody else's fire pits. We have a sense of privacy. You know, we try to make sure you're at least, you know, 100, 150 feet apart from the next cabin. So you, you know, you see the other cabins on the way in, but you have your own time and space. And, you know, that on its own is, that's an artistic endeavor as much as or more than it is an engineering, you know, endeavor, site planning endeavor. It's like, we have to go to the properties, look at the topography, look at the trees, you know, and angle things just so to, to create that experience. So, you know, we do that and then we do add trails uh, to, to almost all of our properties that folks can wander uh, during their getaway, but not much else. And in fact, you know, one of the challenges has been we're not going to mow the lawns. We're not going to do, you know, ornamental landscaping. We're not going to do all this kind of stuff that, you know, sometimes our teams who we hire with very good intentions say, well, of course, we're going to do all those typical things you do to make your property look nice. But, you know, the frame we're you know, trying to provide is this is your time in the forest. Um, and so, you know, we've sort of adopted from, I, I guess, the UK tradition, the idea of rewilding, of, rewilding, you know, returning yeah. some of these properties to nature um, or, or you know, maintaining them as much as wild nature as, as possible. Fantastic. And just side note, how many cabins have you got going at the moment? We are uh, closing in on about 600 now oh, wow. uh, and, uh, and more under construction. So uh, we've got a location uh, under construction outside of uh, Seattle, uh, another one outside of Boston, which will be our second Boston location. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get a couple more than that even uh, open before the end of this year. And John, what, what's your background? How did, how did you find your way into this? Uh, yeah, not through real estate or hospitality. So my background uh, in startup companies, but but I guess what you'd more traditionally think of as startup companies, tech tech stuff, and and consumer products. So um, I learned a lot and had a ton of fun, you know, uh, 
learning how to build companies and fell in love with that and then woke up one day and said, um, how can I put these skills and my time towards something I really care about and I want to exist in the world? And I had no idea what that was. Uh, so I, I ended up taking about a five-month road trip in an Airstream trailer through the West. You know, just I was working remotely to earn a little bit of money and thinking about what I might like to put my time towards. And, you know, on that trip, discovered tiny houses. And, you know, the first thought was, I want one of these so I can continue this road trip. You know, I want to have one of these, you know, far enough from where I live so that I can escape, but near enough uh, so that I can go there frequently. And what I cared about for me was that there'd be, you know, no Wi-Fi. It would be a sacred place where I didn't do work and, and hopefully nobody would bother me. But the problem was I didn't have any money to buy or build a tiny house. So I said, maybe if I start a company, I can raise a little bit of seed capital and then I can at least have access to one of these things. And did you tap into that tiny house kind of movement, lifestyle, uh, um, culture to begin with at all? Yes and no. Certainly there was a lot there that inspired us um, and a lot of people really energized about that. Uh, the, the, so that's the yes part. The no part is... You know, as far as I know, we were the first folks really doing this for what I would call hospitality, yeah. which implies a very different physical, you know, product and design uh, than, you know, a tiny house used for for living in, in permanently. And so, you know, we had to kind of have one foot in both worlds because we were part of this movement and inspired by it. On the other hand, we were not building, you know, something that a lot of people in that world you know, excited about is the wrong word, but, you know, a lot of those folks wanted to test drive the tiny house and, and figure out, could I actually live in one of these things full time? And we were designing, you know, tiny cabins to be slept in for a night or two. So, so there wasn't a perfect overlap there. And, but you've seen, you know, the getaways diverge from this, but you've seen the tiny house movement, you know, grow into such an interesting movement around ADUs and, 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 and backyard sheds and all that kind of stuff, especially out West. And just as a, as a side conversation, there's obviously this this really big conversation going on now about about the future of work, uh, where, how, why. What's your do you, do you have a kind of perspective or viewpoint? Not necessarily just what getaways how how into it, but like what's your view of of where things are going to go? Do you think um, you know hybrid is the future? Do you see you know a lot of people who've been working remotely going back into cities? Do you have a, a perspective on that? I think it's super antiquated to say, you know, you need to do your job by sitting at a desk nine to five, Monday through Friday. And I think, you know, the majority of the workforce, at least who has jobs, you know, that can be done remotely will reject that idea. A lot of people are therefore saying, well, hybrid is the answer because, and I I see why they get there. There are real benefits to being together in person, especially in my view around the creation of weak ties you know, getting to know people that you don't work with on a day-to-day basis and creative collisions, you know, the idea of running to somebody in the lunchroom or, or the water, water, water cooler, um, but also real downsides around commuting and geographic inflexibility and, you know, lack of affordable housing and, you know, trying to, trying to get the best talent wherever they are and all that good stuff. So that drives people to say hybrid is the answer. I'm skeptical of that because I just, one of my like principal core dumb business beliefs is like, one thing is hard. Uh, two things is like exponentially harder. So to be good at, you know, having an office and also being, uh, you know, supporting remote work, I think is going to be very difficult. Maybe it can work if those things are truly defined as like Mondays, Tuesdays, we're in the office and this is what that's for. And Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're not. But, 
um, I, I get really skeptical around this, this idea that hybrid is kind of whatever you want, whenever you want. So in a way, we've just gone, we've gone totally remote uh, with our, our headquarters staff. Obviously, our teams have to go to those locations to do their jobs. And it's allowed us to invest more in, you know, how do we do this well, which we're far from having totally figured out. But I'm grateful that, you know, we're, we're kind of thinking about one thing instead of two things. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, I think, yeah, six months ago, it was all, yeah, hybrid's the way. And, and now you're seeing... Um, Actually, that's that's going to be quite challenging for companies to spend even more trying to balance virtual and and uh, in person. Can you talk a little bit more about how you built your team around this? And as you said, like you're all remote, and and how's that working? It is working well, although with you know lots of room to improve. Um, one of the challenges, you know, I think of this time, remotely or otherwise, is we're all working a lot more than we used to. Uh, and you can read kind of study after study that said in, in the pandemic, our average working hours increased by about two hours per day. We're more stressed than ever. We're more burned out than ever. Mental health uh, is more of a concern than ever. And, you know, I'm no doctor or scientist, but I think a lot of a lot of that is, of course, the generalized condition of living through a pandemic. I think another part of it is the spilling over of all parts of our life into other parts of our life, meaning, you know, our, our workplace is also where we eat breakfast and all that kind of stuff. So um, one of the things that I think Getaway is a little bit ahead on because it's always sort of been in our DNA, but we're doubling down on is it's more important than ever to divide your time between your work time uh, and your not work time. And so uh, we do silly things like one of the things in the book is announcing the end of your workday, which sounds totally goofy. But I actually, at the end of the day, I say, I'm announcing the end of my workday. And it helps me remember that, you know, when, you know, I see my phone or laptop laying there that I'm I'm done with it for now. But we, we've done, you know, bigger things like we, uh, we just got off this labor week. So instead of Labor Day, we closed all of our locations. Uh, so you could not go on a getaway last week. Um, which was a huge investment, but we thought important to give our entire team, you know, rest and more than that collective rest. The idea that when we're all off together, we don't come back to hordes of emails piling up in our inbox. Um, so we're trying to do stuff like that, which I think is helping, but we'll also get together in person. I'm eager to do some team retreats when we can um, to make sure we're developing those weak ties and, and, and creating opportunities for creative collisions and onboarding folks who, you know, uh, have never met the rest of us in person. So I think we'll do that hopefully early next year. And I think as, as we were kind of saying before, there's, there's been this, this movement um, definitely in, in some of the periphery industries of hospitality and, and tourism, right. Of, of transformation and, and people who go to places coming back after them in a, in a, a new realm, if you like, you know, whether it's, you've seen people going into coaching therapy is there aspects of that that getaway can can get into in the future, or is it just purely in the, the, the physical space? I think we could. Um, one of the things, one of the reasons I'm hesitant to say absolutely is because I want to focus on the idea that a lot of what can make us feel better, not everything, and certainly not for everybody in every case, but for a lot of us is just give yourself some time. You know, you don't necessarily have to fill it with an activity or an exercise or a coach or whatever. And, you know, I'm a long time, like I'm, I'm going to therapy, like I'm doing a lot of these things. I try to meditate a lot, but uh, I want to give folks the permission to say, just like take a walk or take a day or take a week and don't do anything. 
you know, so I just mentioned Labor Week uh, that our company did. And a lot of our conversation inside the company was around what are you going to do uh, for your Labor Week, which really translated for a lot of people into where are you going to go? And I think taking trips is great. I love to travel, but I chose to stay at home for most of it. Uh, and it was so rewarding to just have time and space in my own apartment, in my own neighborhood uh, with nothing planned. And I found it really recharging and everybody's different, but I want to make sure we're allowing people to have that as you know part of their wellness uh, and, and health toolkit. Yeah. And it's, it's as you say, it's, it's hard, right? We're so used to filling, filling our time with doing things. What are your, you've mentioned a couple of, what are your kind of, let's say, top three or four in your how to get away, how to recharge and disconnect properly? Yeah, one of my tricks uh, is I actually bought this cookie jar that has a mechanical timed lock on it that you can set for between one minute and 10 days. And I stick my phone in there as often as I can. And I set, I set the lock for, I mean, during last week, I set it for 24 hours at a time. Uh, just in case uh, I needed it, uh, which I did a couple of times due to two-factor authentication and, and needing to deposit checks into my bank account. But that's really helpful for me because as long as I've been thinking about working on this kind of stuff, you know, it's still, it's, you know, we're up against algorithms that are designed to suck us in at all times. And it happens to me quite frequently. So when I lock my device away, uh, that makes a big difference. Uh, my second one, I'm just going to give you my personal highlights. Yeah, that's great. Five of them in the book. Uh, so to each their own. Um, this is kind of a funny one, but I, I take baths frequently. Um, so that's usually my like divide between the end of the workday and, and after work time. And uh, sometimes with a novel, sometimes with music. But importantly, you know, it's like as we think about boundaries, like sitting in a tub of water where you can't have your electronics and you can't talk to your colleagues and all that kind of stuff is a helpful boundary for me. Um, and then the print edition. So I, I get the newspaper printed out. Um, I get a couple magazines and, and that, you know, really helps uh, eliminate some of the screen time. So I guess those are three quick ones. The other one that comes to mind is, you know, the big one, which is actually taking time off. So I try to make sure to take all of my time off. I get a I get away. We have mandatory vacation. So every, every full-time employee gets 20 days and you have to take it uh, because in my view, unlimited vacation is an oxymoron. What does that mean? And we know that people that have un, quote unquote unlimited vacation take, take less vacation and are more stressed out by it. So we make sure everybody takes their vacation. I have to set a good example for the team. I say with a wink um, by taking my vacation, which I'm very happy to do. And in particular, I try to take a couple of long vacations. So I try to go, go away for two weeks, at least twice a year uh, to get the compound benefits of, right. of time off that, you know, 14 days in a row is different than 14 individual days, although both are good. Yeah, it's super, super interesting how you how you're approaching all this stuff. I mean, it really does come to yeah, designing how to slow down, right? And how to how to um, disconnect. And it's, it's even even just hearing it, right? I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the conversations I have with the kids all the time. And really, a lot of the time, it's us that's flicking through our phones and setting the bad example. So there's a massive kind of education aspect to it and teaching people and reminding them what's good for them. It's very interesting. So, yeah, maybe if we could hear, you know, let's say you and I are talking in three to five years from now and you're incredibly happy about the way things have gone. My question would be, what has happened in those three years to make you so happy? Well, at the baseline, hopefully the business is still working, um, but much bigger than that and, and candidly more important to me is I really want to make a dent into this, this free time issue. And, you know, five years from now, 
you know, I hope our impact is far beyond getaway and our employees and our guests, although I hope those folks are, are, are happy and well served, you know, but I would love to see, you know, getaway influencing society, yeah. be that through education, as you just mentioned, or legislation or regulation or, um, or just inspiring other organizations uh, to kind of wake up to the fact that it's not sustainable how we're living and, you know, joining us in our, our efforts and attempts and experiments um, to work a little bit differently and live a, live a little bit differently. So I hope in five years we'll be able to pat ourselves on the back a bit for some of that. Would you see this something that could, I mean, I, I think it definitely could, but could work outside the U.S. and do you have plans to do that? Or you thought about that? I hope so. Um, nothing uh, concrete yet, but uh, we do get notes all the time from folks in other places uh, that, that are asking us to, to show up where they are and, and we'd love to. So hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. Fantastic. Well, look, John, you've answered everything so succinctly. It's been really fantastic talking to you and really interested to see how things go and, and where you can take it. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Brave New World podcast from Studio Sanderson. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out the podcast episode details or visit studiosanderson.com for links to additional resources and recommended reading from myself and others. See you next time.